Welcome to the Well SGV podcast. We exist to multiply followers of Jesus rooted in the gospel who worship, walk, and witness to God's glory. Here's our message for the week. I don't know how well Pastor David was planning this, but we're going through 1 John, and it happens to be, yeah, Super Bowl, but it happens to be the weekend before, the Sunday before, what? Valentine's Day, and this is actually a very appropriate passage in First John. I don't know, like, did he have this foresight? I'm going to preach on these days, and then on this weekend, on site. See, he's shaking his head. I didn't, I didn't think so. I didn't think he was that well of planning, but it just happens to be this weekend. And this idea of love, we, we see the, the Valentine's Day, we see the hearts and the giving of cards and the giving of treats and, and romantic, th- romantic things and such. And this is what we think about with love, and we take it sometimes for granted. Uh, we have this, uh, can we go to the next slide? Uh, we have it in the Greek, uh, as many of you have seen this before. We have uh, phileo, which is brotherly love or romantic love, as you saw, some people see it. Uh, or even the love of stuff, and I put my Miata over there because I kind of love my Miata. You know, I, I, I bought it, and I drive it, I love driving it, and after I, you know, I park it, I look back at it because... I really like it, right? So it's, it's part of the phileo. Uh, and then another one is pronounced storge. At least I pronounce it storge. It's this family love, uh, like your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, and also your sports team. Go Dodgers, Shohei Otani, right? Woo, Dodgers this year, the evil ones. Yeah, uh, that's the kind of love that we have, the storge. And then we have this eros love, the romantic love, the love between, and we strongly believe in this, uh, a man uh, and a woman. We believe that uh, there's love between a man and a woman, and finally, agape love. And this is the one we're going to be talking about today. And this is a divine love, uh, God's love, and then we also call it unconditional love. And we call it a conditional love because sometimes we have conditions. I love you if you love me. I love you if you do some things for me, and then I will return that love. But this love is a little different. This love is you love just because you love. And as we learned today, you love because you're commanded to love by your Savior, by Jesus Christ himself, says to love unconditionally. Not for anything in return, not anything, because you've already been given love. You've been given unconditional love, and therefore you give love. And nothing in return, because God has demonstrated his love for us by this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us, and Christ died on the cross for that. And this is a, this is a bonus one. Next slide. And this is not in the New Testament, but this is another love. And it, funny enough, it's not, in the, it's not in the Bible. And it's called uh, fellatia, I guess. It means self-love. Uh, to love one, oneself or to regard his own happiness for his advantage. His advantage has been conceptualized for both basic human necessity. Yes, there's some times where we need to take care of ourselves. We need to mind ourselves. We need to mind our things and be you know, kind of be well-rounded and things like that. But also it means vanity, selfishness, thinking only of yourself and for what people can give you. And that's not the love we're talking about today. And then we know this, that God is love. And I'm going to read it to you. Love is patient, love is kind. And these are characteristics that we see God demonstrate through Jesus, through his, through his creation, so the things, the way he moves, and the way he's written the Bible, these characteristics are found in God. 
Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. This is also instructions for us as Christians what love is, should be to us. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking, as we just mentioned. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrongs. And that's really hard, right? Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices in truth. It always protects, always trusts. It always hopes. It always perseveres. Love never fails. This is who we see in God. This we see in the incarnation of Jesus Christ. We're going to go through this passage a little bit, but before that, let me just pray for us real quick. Let's pray. Father God, you love us so much, Lord, that you're so passionate about us, your creation, that you would uphold your glory through us for your good. God, you're committed to us by saying that you will never leave us nor forsake us. You only desire good things for us. Your plan for us in this life is good. Your love, God, means that we would love one another because you loved us and showed us through your example that we would love one another. God, you are the source of love. It's creator. You're the first one to show love and partake in love. You invented love that you would first Show us this great love by dying, sending your son to earth and to die on the cross for our sins and not for his. We are crazy to think that we would not live on this earth not loving others, your creation, by receiving so much love from you. So Father God, help us to love one another, even how, much, how difficult it may be at times that you would help us to love others. So, Father God, I just thank you for this day. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And I could stop right there, and this would be a lesson for today, and we would figure out for the rest of the day and for the rest of our lives how to do this well, how to love one another well. We see this from the example of John. First John is the passage that we were reading, and First John, he's, uh, he's an elderly man now. He's one of the apostles, one of the first 12, as we think. He wrote the Gospel of John. He writes these three letters, First, Second, Third John, and he writes a revelation. And he, reached, and he writes all these later on in his life. He doesn't do a lot of the writing in the beginning because he's doing missions work. He's planting churches and everything, and, and now he's being exiled, and he's being put in places. Now he's in Ephesus at this current position of his life. He's about 80 or so, 85, close to 90, I guess, within that time. And, he's an, and in the beginning, he says that he's the elder. He's lived a lot. He's seen a lot. He's seen lots of hate, persecuted church, and he's seen a lot of love because of the planting of these same churches. And then when he writes his book, uh, the gospel, he calls himself the beloved he refers himself for the blood. His identity is beloved. So he feels that he's loved. I want to ask you the question. As you Christians, and he's writing to Christians in, these, in this book, do you feel loved? Do you feel loved? Honestly, genuinely, do you feel loved? Do you feel like God calls you beloved? I'm going to be really real with you. I'll tell you a story. One time I was a pastor. as a young pastor 
and I wasn't feeling very well. I was feeling kind of down. I was feeling broken. I was feeling, um, uh, what do you call it? I wasn't appreciated. I felt burnt out. And I went to visit a fellow um, pastor of mine, friend of mine, for some help. And he says, Rick, how you doing? I'm like, not so well. I'm feeling dry, man. And he said, how do you think God sees you? How do you think God sees you? And if you're in your, in your uh, community, your, your gospel community groups this evening or during the week, uh, this is one of the questions. How do you see God see you? How do you think God sees you? And on my honest truth was, if I closed my eyes and saw God, I would see God looking at me like this. Rick, you could have done better. Rick, you could have done more. Rick, I don't think you're enough. You didn't do this and you didn't do that. And I saw a wagging finger, a disappointed God. I'm a pastor. I should feel that God is different than this. But he explained to me, God does not see you like that. God sees Jesus in you. He sees you forgiven. He sees you beloved. He sees you awesome and holy through Jesus and what he did on the cross. So he sees, does he see all your, your mistakes? Does he see all your pains? We just saw that he doesn't. He doesn't keep records of wrong. He only keeps a record of right, and that one right thing that Jesus did on the cross, that's the way he sees you. You are awesome. You're beloved. Yes, you're a sinner. You're still broken, things like that. But when it comes to, when, ju- when judgment comes, as he sees us, he says, wonderful, beautiful creation. And I burst into tears because I didn't think that. I thought of a God just like Rick because he's a God of perfection and he sees all my mistakes, all my darkness, all my brokenness. Then through Jesus, through the lens of Jesus, he sees nothing but good and pure. That's awesome. That's freedom. Yet my own sinful nature still keeps me down sometimes. But if I start realizing and thinking of that time on the cross, shed his blood for me, I know that God sees me differently. Does that make sense? Do you feel that? And if, if, if you really comprehend this, I believe that you will feel like John felt, beloved. And when I believe, start believing that in myself, that I'm beloved, I'm beloved because all my sins and all my brokenness, all my things that I do or think, how should I see others? How should I look at others? How do God, how does God see others? How can I not love others? There's a lot of darkness, and we're going to read about this in a few minutes that keeps us from this love. Because we know that I'm, I know that I'm a bad guy, or like I'm a sinful guy, I'm, 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 I'm saved. How can I look down on anybody else? And I used to think this as well, and I had to mature, and we're going to talk about maturing in a minute, that I was like, that guy's not saved, that guy's name's saved because of what they're doing, because of who he is or who she is. And I would look down on them because of it. But instead, I should say that Jesus died for this person, that person, and that. 
And so my, my, my perception and my understanding of love changed. Do I have to like them? Because people really annoy me. People still like, irritate me and things like that. But some things they do, things like that. I get it. We don't have to like a lot of people, anybody. There's people I like, some people I like better. But I'm called. No, I'm sorry. I'm commanded to love others. And we see this in the, in the scriptures. We're going to go through three things. And look at it. Notice it's red. Because when I first read this, I read this in the NESB. Uh, NESB and I was reading it. Because I like it in King James Version. In the Bible, whenever Jesus speaks, it's in red. I like it. Because I know it comes with authority. It comes with power. And when Jesus says, love one another, to love others, as a command, I'm going to follow, I'm going to listen. So, love is not a suggestion, it is a command, as we read in this passage. This new commandment, this old commandment that he's talking about, it doesn't actually say the commandment, but we know that this commandment is to love one another. Next slide. Old to new, darkness to light, death to life, is what we see in this passage. We see that there's the old me, the old me, the old is, the old is gone, the, com- the old is gone, the new has come. I am a new creation. We read this in the Bible, that I have this once, this life, but now I receive Jesus Christ, now I have this new life, a new creation, a start over. This old, this old commandment to me, but I heard it a bunch of times, is now a new commandment to me, because I'm new, and I have the power of God, I have the Holy Spirit living in me, I have Jesus to make this happen, to love one another. Darkness to light. We'll see this in the passage. That there's darkness. There's darkness everywhere. There's brokenness. There's hatred. There's racism. There's all these different things that we don't like. And what Jesus does is that he brings the light into that darkness and conquers it. Same thing. From, he, he sees the old me. Comes into my life. He changes it. Conquers it. And brings me into new. He sees the death. There's death because of this sin. He comes into my life, and he conquers that, and he brings new life. This is what he does. This is what Christ has done. This is the gospel of what he does. And then finally, this next one, and the process of the maturity, spiritual maturity. Remember I told you before, like, I thought this one way, that I'm not good enough, and God points at me, and he says, nope, 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 you're a bad kid, you're a bad boy, you're a bad man. He says these things, and I had to change the way I thought because I didn't understand the gospel. I didn't understand how much he loved me. I didn't fully understand. Yes, it says God is love. God loves me. God loves me. And I, I heard it. I intellectually heard it. But I didn't feel it. I didn't truly believe in it. I didn't have that genuine faith that this, what Jesus says in the Bible, is real. And once I started believing it to be true, without a shadow of a doubt, then it became real, and I was, I was growing spiritually mature. I was reading the Bible. I was believing what it was saying. I didn't, have those, I didn't have a lot of those doubts. Doubting is fine. I love doubting people who doubt because they're thinking about it. But when I started doubting, it, was like I, it wasn't like, I don't believe it kind of doubt. It was like, oh, that's right. Sounds right, okay. But I didn't do it. I didn't, I didn't act upon it. It wasn't real because I didn't, wasn't living it out. And that's the tre- one of the true tests 
of knowing if we truly believe in what we're reading is by doing it. Hand over foot. And it goes to this maturity. Uh, and then in this, we, we look at these ages, these age groups, little children, young men, fathers, and we'll talk about that as, as this maturing process with, idea, with this understanding of love, how we mature spiritually. Let's, let's go to the passage. Okay, so these are the passages, the two passages that, that this commandment actually comes from, from the gospel. Again, I love it. It's red. Jesus says it. It must be true. And it says this, a new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I've loved you, he's already done it. He's the first giver of love. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples. If you have love for one another. It's part of my name. My name is Richard John Zaniga, but I am a Christian. I'm a disciple of Jesus. And how, it, how is that? Because I think it, I said it, but more importantly, I do it. I am a disciple of Jesus Christ because I love other people. Do I do it perfectly? By all means, no, I don't. I wish I could do better. Again, I wish I could do better. But I understand that this is what I need to be doing. And I try to do my best. I don't know how good my best is, but I try to do my best to love others. People who know me know that I try to love others. Again, I don't, I'm not perfect, and there's obviously things I could do. But that's how they know. That's how I get identified. It's part of my identity that I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ because I love. The next one is in John 15 again. John writes this again. He says it again. It's that important. This is my commandment. Again, Jesus is writing this, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. There's, there's nothing better. There's nothing greater love than this than to lay down for his life for his friends. And Jesus did this. There's no greater love than the sacrifice that Christ did on the cross for us. None. That you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. A command. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. And sometimes we, we are in a world where like, don't tell me what to do. But if we truly believe that not only is we like to use these, throw these words that Jesus is my Savior and Lord, Savior and Lord. Savior is the one part. We believe that we're saved. But to call Jesus Lord means that we obey and we follow commands. That's the whole Lord part, that he's the Lord and we're his servants. We're his people. We're his children. And we obey. It's kind of hard for a lot of us because we don't like being told what to do. But I obey, not out of compulsion in a sense. I, re- I obey as a response, because that's how I, I can love God back. That's how I can worship him, by my obedience. He's not saying, Rick, you need to obey me. No. He says, obey me, and you're my disciple. And I'm saying, yes, because you're my God. Yes, because I love you. I'll be obedient to you. And if you don't love God, then you don't have to be obedient, right? It's kind of simple as that. If you don't truly love God, then you're truly not obedient. That's fine. And this is what I told you at the beginning. If anyone who is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. Behold, 
you are different. Behold. See? You are different. Behold. Next slide. Well, let's go through the passage real quick. Beloved, I'm writing to you a new commandment. The old has come. Uh, sorry, a new, a new commandment, but the old commandment that you had heard in the beginning. This old commandment to love one another is one that is ingrained in when you first believe in Jesus. When you first believe in Jesus, you're taught this to love, that God loves you. And in that fact, you love one another. So it comes to you in the beginning. And at the same time, it is a new commandment that I'm writing to you, which is true of in him, in you, because the darkness is passing away and the true light is already shining. Oh, this is a great passage. Look at all the truths and the lights and stuff that are happening here. So I'm writing to you. The reason he has to address this is that sometimes we forget. And it's that important that he needs to remind us again. It's an old commandment that you've heard before to love one another. Yeah, 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 I, I, I should love one another. And let me tell you, you're a new person now. This is a new commandment for you, which is the same as the old one, but it's new because now you're a new creation. It's new that you have a reason and a purpose. Before you're a believer, before you're a Christian, before maybe you accepted Christ for the first time, it's, it's kind of a general thing to love one another, to be happy, world peace, and all that. But now that you're a new person, a new creation, the old is gone, the new has come. Out with the dark, in with the light. It's new. It's new because of Jesus. And then in verse 8, it says, at the same time, writing true, because the darkness is passing away. I love this imagery of darkness. Imagine a room filled of darkness, just darkness. And you come in with this gigantic spotlight, the brightest you've ever seen. And you walk into that room, and darkness is cast out. No more darkness, because you just filled it with this light. See so this ING part? It's a process. It's, it's ongoing and continuous. It's passing. It's not complete yet because we're still maturing. In, in, we're still maturing. But this darkness is passing away. This darkness is, is gone. It's, this world, in, especially in our lives, this darkness is fleeting. And it's because this true light, which is Jesus, obviously this is Jesus, right, is already shining. He's here. He's in me. The Holy Spirit is moving in me. And it's casting that darkness. And you know what those darkness, we try to, it's this imagery of darkness. It's the hate. It's the ignorance, the biasness, the, the unfairness of the world. It's the sin of the world that we have in our lives. And I, I want to ask you another question. Is there somebody in your life that you have beef with? And this is something that I have. I have a great story. It's called the Great Yamasaki story that I'm not going to tell you to you because it's for high schoolers and for junior hires. But you can ask me later what the Great Yamasaki story is. But ultimately, ultimately like, there's, there's this idea of, I have beef with this guy, essentially. And he was a good friend of mine. I did something really bad. I tried to apologize, and he wouldn't forgive me. And so I lost out this opportunity to be his friend. I probably lost out this opportunity to be a Christ-like person in his life. Because of something I did stupidly, and I was too, at the time, too stubborn and too ignorant to say I'm sorry. I didn't have that light strong enough in me to go say sorry. 
to love him the way I should have. Knowing I, did, knowing I messed up, but I didn't. And that's just one of many, many accounts where I could have done, I could have loved instead of hated. I could have loved instead of casting this person out of my life and saying, he's not worth my time. So the darkness is passing away because of crisis. It's being removed. It's not completely done, especially when my sin is gone because of Christ, obviously on the cross. But in my daily life, the more, the more I grow, the more spiritually understanding I have of who Jesus is in my life, the more sinf- I realize sinfulness in my life, the more I need Jesus as my Savior, that darkness is slowly fleeting. Because the true light is already shining. I love that word, shining. Shining. Whoever says, and then, and I like in this passage, and I have it in my Bible, this word shining, uh, this word, whoever says, and then you can put that, says, whoever says that he loves his brother, wait, wait, he says he, he is in the light, I'm in the light, but he hates his brother, is still in darkness. He does not understand that that cannot happen. I, I'm in the light. I'm a Christian, but hates people. I hate you. I hate you. What's wrong with you? That anger because of the selfishness doesn't really, still has a lot of darkness going on. But whoever loves his brother abides, understands, responds in kind, believes, obeys. But whoever loves his brother abides in the light. And we can replace light with Jesus. Abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Because, you know, this idea of this, this wonderful understanding of light and darkness. If I'm in the dark and it's completely dark, imagine trying to walk there when this room is completely dark. Blah, 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 knocking things over. I'm stumbling, I'm bumbling around in this, light, in this room. It says, there's no cause for stumbling because the light in my life, the light of Jesus, is so great. I can see things clearly. And that's one thing that, that, that we learn in this passage. There's a clarity that happens with, when we're in the light. What is my purpose? What am I supposed to do? How am I supposed to do it? Who, where do I find my source? There's a clarity that happens with light, with light. A clarity by seeing clearly. I can't see clearly if there's no light. And so what Jesus does and offers when we accept him as Lord and Savior is he offers this light that lives in us. And then I can see, not perfectly, again, I'm not a perfect person, like we still still working on it, but I can see clearer than I did before. I could, I could see my mistake. I shouldn't have been mad. I shouldn't have been angry. I shouldn't have, pride got in my way. And this, pride is another darkness that we have. Pride got in the way, and I couldn't, didn't do what was right because my, that darkness was too bright, too dark. I didn't understand. And so there's no cause for stumbling because of this light. But whoever hates his brother, which I don't know if you're... Whoever hates his brother is in the darkness, still walks in darkness. And I love this idea of this walking. It's an everyday thing that we do. It's a common thing that we do. This is our life, this walking. Walking in Jesus, walking in the light. Walking is something that we do on a daily basis. If you're not walking every day, then you're unhealthy. No, no doubt about it. There's a, this idea of 
every day walking, 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 walking to your home, to the car, to the bathroom, to wherever you are walking. This is a daily habit. This is something that we do daily. And this is the same thing we do daily. If we are in Christ, we are loving one another daily, walking, 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 walking. And so whoever hates the brother walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because he's in the darkness and because he's blind. He's stuck in darkness. He's stuck in his sin. He's blinded. He cannot see. And that's what happens when we're in the dark. And so we go to verse 11 through 12. This is a very interesting part. He goes, I'm writing to you, little church. And again, I, like I just mentioned, he thinks that some people think, oh, it's you're a child, and you're a child, and you're a young person, and you're a father. It's just talking about your age, but it really doesn't talk about age. It's the maturity process that he's talking about. Some things that we learn in here is that spiritual maturity doesn't actually have to do with your age. Spiritual maturity is like, oh, he's an old person. He must be spiritually mature. Nope, don't think that at all. That's not, that could be further than the truth. I know an 80-year person who accepted Christ for the very first time, and it was a glory to see him accept Christ, but it was 80 years old. And he refused to accept Jesus Christ for the longest time until one pa- random pastor, one random message says, okay, gets up, I believe in Jesus now. Praise the Lord, 80 years people have been praying for this guy. It doesn't take, you don't have to be old. It doesn't mean you're old, it means that you are more mature spiritually, not at all. It's about how you understand who Jesus is, his love, the gospel, how will you understand your sinfulness, and how you understand that great need for a savior in your life. And the second thing I learned, we learned that all of us are in the process of maturing. All of us. Whether you've been a Christian for just a very short time, or you've been Christian for 80 years, we're all in the process. We're all in the process of maturing spiritually. You can't expect people just because you're old, this old or this old. I need, and then don't trick yourself like, well, I'm in my 40s. I should be, more, I should be spiritual than that high schooler. <laughs> no, not because that, that doesn't mean anything. That you need to be more spiritually than another person. Don't let that get in your way of finding and walking in the light. And thirdly, how this works and the different, the different levels of maturity. The children here are learning first Christ's forgiveness for his namesake. I'm, I'm forgiven is the basic. When it says here, it says here, children, because of your sins, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake, Jesus. That's like, like their basic spiritual maturity. That's like level one. Understanding, and sometimes we still don't get it as Christians, we've been calling each other Christians for a long time. Understand that first basic. Jesus died for your sins and you were forgiven. For you Christians that, you're, that are sitting here, that is the number one reason why you're here. Because you're Christian, because you believe in that fact. And that's children, which is fine. Whether you're this year old, this old, this old, that's fine. And then for this young man, the young men are described as strong, and the word of God abides in them, and they will overcome the evil one. These are the young men he's talking about. 
These are people who are, have that understanding of the first one, that Jesus is Lord, he died for my sins. He understands that basic. Now he goes to the next level. He reads God's word, and he abides in his word. He cherishes and loves his word. He obeys his word. Because for a young man, the more you know, the more you realize you're sinning. And that you need only Christ, only God, and through prayer, can you overcome these sins, these desires, these, these vices that you might have. And only through the reading of God's word, abiding in them, are you able to overcome these sinful things that, that continue to plague all of us. Again, like, like the first point, we're all spiritually maturing. It's a process. And the Father, is the last one, is described as, um, Father, as you know him, as you know him, who is from the beginning, I write to you, a young man, because of you're strong in the world. And so basically what this idea of fathers is reminding the children and the young men of what they're supposed to be doing. Being part of the process, but touching the next generation. He knows this from the beginning. It's like my son James. I've known him from when he was born to as a child to when he's a young adult. I can see it. I am the father. And I'm supposed to instill these principles, these under, this understanding of who God is in his life. That's my role as a father. Because I've known him from the beginning. And I have to teach him that there's a, fa- there's a father in heaven that is greater than me. There's a father that you, sh- you must listen. I know you don't listen to me, son. You don't listen to me at all. Never listen to me, man. Well, you must listen to the father in heaven who is God. How do we mature? How do we grow from little children, to, from young men to fathers? John ans- John's answer in writing this is love. To love is to grow in maturity, to depend on this love that Jesus has for us, that we would love him in return. We first receive love, the love of God, and we turn to show the same love, this agape love, this unconditional love to others. Not re- Again, from the very beginning of the, the talk, that we don't expect things back. I'm going to love you because, you know, I hope to get something out of it later on. It's like an investment that I, get, I gain something afterwards. No. Your investment is already there. Your investment is already in heaven and you already received it. It is there waiting for us when the time comes, when Jesus comes again or God sent us there. There's no investment necessary because we already received. So we are always constantly giving. We should be constantly giving love because we already have this inheritance that is, that is solidly founded in Christ. It is sealed. Our guarantee is heaven. Love is a passionate, and this is a quote, I can't find where I found it, but love is a passionate commitment of the will to do the ultimate good to one another. It asks us the question, who is God calling you to express love to today? What does loving those God has placed around you look like? And I'll leave you with this. And it was a random sign that I saw in one of the classrooms that I work at. It says in Isaiah 49, 6, it says, I will make a light for the nations that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. 
Let me repeat to you again. I will make a light for the nations, that's us, that my salvation may reach to the ends of the earth. That's us, only through Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord, who is the God of love and the God of light. Let's pray. Father, I thank you again for teaching me this uh, so many often. And though I learned this a long time ago when I was in my 20s, I still have need reminding of it even today. I need your power. I need your Holy Spirit to constantly remind me of how to love the way you love unconditionally, with passion, with commitment, selflessly, not thinking about myself, but thinking only for your glory and for your goodness and for your namesake, for your kingdom, O oh God. That we all may be a light to the nations. That your salvation of Je through Jesus Christ may be given and be blessed to every single person. That you give us the divine opportunity to greet, to see, to meet, and to point to you, Jesus, Master, Lord, and Savior. So, Father, we thank you again for this day. We thank you again for bringing us together as brothers and sisters. And if God, if there's those who still are on the verge of not quite accepting you yet, Lord, that you would just tug upon their heart and speak to them words of love, saying, hey, man, I, I, I love you. I, I sent my son Jesus to die for you. And all I want you to do is to love me back with all your life, with everything you have, with everything that you are, Thank you, Lord Jesus, for setting aside this Sunday for you. And like Ian said, there's many things that are going on in our life, but we are here right now for you at this moment. Speak to us. And speak to us daily. So, Father, I thank you again for this day, and we pray these things in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Thanks for listening to our podcast. We would love to hear from you and help you take one step closer to Jesus. To contact us or for more information, please go to www.thewellsgv.org.